If any of you have ever used technology for things, it's uh, slightly frightening when all of a sudden it doesn't work. This morning we've had a few things. We say we're trying to simply have Christmas and streaming wasn't working, so I was helping out with that, and then a TV wasn't working, I was helping out with that. I came up here to pray, and usually I have things written down and my tablet wasn't working, uh, which is pretty bad when your sermon's supposed to be on there too, but uh, the wonderful thing is my sermon is here, and so I won't be winging it this morning. As we come closer uh, to the birth of Christ, or at least the celebration that we have of the birth of Christ on December 25, we read today of the birth of the one who came before Christ. As we began looking at the book of Mark this last fall, uh, one of the things that was interesting about the book of Mark is that it completely doesn't talk about Jesus' birth at all, and instead it begins with that person that came before Jesus, that person whose name was John. John preparing the way for the Messiah to come. John coming to serve as this signpost to get people's attention because the Lord seemingly had been silent for 400 years. And John comes being that one to say the kingdom is now and the kingdom is coming now. It is near. Be on the lookout. God is at work. And so we look at his birth, the attention getter for the people of Israel, the attention getter that said, God is continuing to work among you and among your people. And in particular, for John's father, Zechariah, God was working in Zechariah in saying that, that when I speak, it's you who should listen and you who should respond. In our first weeks in this series, we looked at the angel visiting Zechariah while Zechariah was in the temple, and, and Zechariah questioned the angel instead of trusting immediately what was going to happen. And what happened was Zechariah became silent until all of those things would come to pass. And so that's where we begin reading now, Luke 1, verse 57 through 80. Uh, that's going to be page 831 in the black Bibles in your seats. If students have one of the Bibles that they got when they were in third grade, it'll be page 1,251. And we're going to give, be given an opportunity uh, to hear what, what the Lord has been arising in Zechariah after John is born. So would you read with me this morning? When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like the child to be named. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, 
And he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, would be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. We begin on the eighth day after John was born. The Israelites had certain customs that they they made sure to keep. And most of the customs were about the sons of Israel. On the eighth day, it was an important day because not only in the book of Genesis, but also in the book of Leviticus, it said, on the eighth day, that is the specific day that All the sons of Israel are to be circumcised, and often it's around that time, too, that that the children are given their name. Now, it's interesting here that they were going to name him. It It was not Elizabeth or Zechariah right away that was going to name the baby that Elizabeth and Zechariah had. And this actually wasn't uncommon. If, if you would go to the Old Testament to the book of Ruth, you'd, you'd meet someone named Ruth, of course, as well as someone named Boaz. And Ruth and Boaz ended up having a child. And, and after Ruth gave birth, it was Naomi, her essentially mother-in-law, and it was all the women that were with Naomi that named the child. Here you have the people, the friends and family of Elizabeth that says, we are going to name this child after their father, Zechariah. Starting a trend of, right, Zechariah Sr., Zechariah Jr., Zechariah III, right? That's, that's the plan. But, no, in, instead, Elizabeth, uh, aware of of what's going on, somehow 
was made known by Zechariah that the child's name was to be John. In the midst of, of not being able to speak, he, he somehow relayed, maybe a, a, via a writing tablet, that it was important that the angel told him that they needed to name this child John. And the people are, are kind of dumbfounded. It's like, you don't have anyone in your family that name. That's not really the way we do things here. You usually name it after some relative that has passed away, perhaps, or, or someone else like the father. But here, that's, that's not what happens. It would seem that one of the traditions, the traditional ways of doing things is not going to be followed. And so the, the people are like, well, maybe we need to ask Zechariah to see what he thinks. And so they make signs to him, and, and they want to find out what, what he wants to name the child, and to their amazement, he wrote the same thing. His name is John. Zechariah, in his time of silence, perhaps has learned a, a very important lesson, and that is, is when God speaks, when God says He's going to do something, one must trust that He's going to do that thing, but also one must be obedient to what the Lord is calling of Him. I think that's an important lesson for not only Zechariah and Elizabeth, they could have given in to the custom of the day and chosen to name this Zechariah II, but it wouldn't have been following what the Lord would have wanted to do, perhaps, with John. In the same way, that's a lesson for us to think about the traditions, to the traditions that we have within our lives. Those things, the, the way things have always been done before, to recognize that just because maybe this is the way things have always been done before doesn't mean that God isn't going to ask us to do something different at another time. God, perhaps speaking clearly to change one of the practices within our life and, and us being obedient just like Zechariah and Elizabeth to to go against what perhaps the culture or the tradition of the day was and to, to move this into a new direction just as he's asking. The interesting thing here is that the moment, the moment he said his name is John, or that he wrote it, his voice was opened. He was once again allowed to speak. All the things that the angel had said had now come to pass. Elizabeth became pregnant. She gave birth to a son, and they named him John. And now Zechariah, his, his mouth is opened, and, and we have the opportunity then to hear, to be invited into all of the thoughts, all of the ponderings, all of the, the time that Zechariah had during his silence, to, to see how the Lord was working in his life, to, to hear how the Lord will be working through John. 
And not only are we invited to, to hear that, but the people that were surrounding Zechariah and Elizabeth at this time are, are invited too. They're invited into what they believe is this amazing story because they were in awe. They were in awe at what the Lord was doing. They were in awe by this old couple in their, their retirement years, in their 60s perhaps, giving birth to a son. They were in awe of the fact that when Zechariah came home from his service in the temple that he wasn't able to speak. They were in, in awe that they chose a name that had nothing to do with any one of their relatives or family members. And they were in awe that, that Zechariah could now speak once he named the child. What is this child going to be? What is this child going to be based on the unusual circumstances of his birth? I think there's, there's times where we kind of lose all sense of drama with a story that we've become so familiar with. I don't know how many times you've sat maybe in in pews or chairs and, and listen to sermons sometime around Christmas. Sermons perhaps on, on John and the strange, strange way he was born. Sermons on, on Jesus and the miracle of his birth. We feel like well, this is kind of old hat. We know kind of what's going to come. But to the people who were reading this, perhaps for the first time, there's a, a greater sense of awe. And this question, what then is this child going to be, is, is an invitation to those people to imagine what would come. It's an invitation for them to, to lean in to perhaps what what Zechariah is going to say. It's an invitation to wonder. It's an invitation to be intrigued and interested in what the Lord is planning on doing. And it wasn't just the people reading, but it's also the whole surrounding community wondering. And what happens next is is something that has been familiar all through the book of Luke, at least the first chapter that we're in, and that's the Spirit coming upon somebody. When the angel came to Zechariah, he said that the Spirit will be upon John even from birth, even from within his mother's womb. And then when Mary came to visit Elizabeth, it was the spirit that came upon Elizabeth, allowing Elizabeth to explain, uh, exclaim uh, the blessed nature of Mary and what God was doing with her. And now similarly, it's Zechariah. Zechariah now filled with the spirit and beginning to speak God's words to his people the spirit, the same spirit that caused John to jump within the womb, the same spirit that caused Elizabeth to exclaim, 
is now the Spirit that will once again speak forth this testimony of God's work among His people. Zechariah, speaking a hymn of praise, you could say. Speaking of God's work of divinely intertwining two children who will be born within months of each other. For the purpose of God's work and for the purpose of God's redemption of not only humanity, but all of creation. And in response to this wondering question that these people have, they begin hearing Zechariah speak. And some of what Zechariah does is what people would expect. People would expect someone who has just given their voice back and, and just had had their aged wife giving birth to a healthy baby boy to give praise to God. But additionally, what the people expect is, is that Zechariah would be, would be sharing about God's work in ways that talk about um, political and earthly things. The political restoration of Israel as all Israel's enemies are trampled underfoot and Israel will once again regain its glory and be restored in the community in that area. The political idea that Israel will be rescued from their enemies. This was that picture of the Messiah and the way God was going to interact with them, that God was going to bring this, this mighty king that would rule with an iron fist and, and take over the surrounding area and free them from their enemies, right, to rescue from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve God without fear, without fear of, of Roman occupation, without fear of, of what they, the Romans, were, were doing amongst the people. You know, really, it's Zechariah that's not just speaking about John, but he's speaking about, about Jesus. He first speaks about that Messiah that's to come. The promised one who's going to come and take on all the, the cosmic forces of evil which oppress humanity and bring pain and suffering to the world. That one will rescue from the hand of the enemy. They thought the enemy was Rome. Or the reality is that is that this one would come to rescue from the hand of the enemy, namely our two greatest enemies, sin and death. And as the, the people wait for this one who will come to rescue not only the people of Israel, but all of creation from sin and death, he begins to speak of his child. And, and perhaps, you know, nothing in Scripture says this, but I wonder, is, is he holding baby John as he looks as he says these words and, and looks at him and says, you my child, we'll, we'll get there, you my child, 
Imagine him holding John. You, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. This is really only something that's, that's going to be given to him by the Spirit. It's not something that he would have, have known on his own. It's only the Spirit and the angel that, that would have allowed him to know that he's the one that's going to go prepare the way for this one that will come. I think the interesting thing is that before Jesus will begin his ministry and say, your sins are forgiven to so many people, it was Zechariah who knew that John himself would come with that similar message. You're going to be the prophet of the Most High who's going to come before the the Messiah, and, and you're going to give people knowledge of salvation. It's salvation through the forgiveness of sins. In our series on, on Mark, we talked about how that was not what people were expecting. The Israelites wouldn't be expecting to hear that they need to, to repent of sin, that they would need to be forgiven of sin, because they believed that they were following God the exact ways that they should. If you, if you believe you need to repent of something and you believe you need uh, to be forgiven of sin, that meant you must think that you've actually sinned before. And, and the people of Israel didn't necessarily believe that. They felt that they were following God in all the right ways. And yet here comes John He's going to come preaching something new, giving the knowledge of salvation that comes through repentance and the forgiveness of sin. John, bringing the same message essentially that, that Jesus will bring later on. Bringing the message that God, the, the same one that is sending John, the same one that is sending Jesus later, is in fact still at work and is in fact entirely merciful. That this, this God who is, is sending these baby boys is a God of forgiveness and grace. God who is, in fact, still at work in desiring to, to make all of the promises that He has made throughout all the Old Testament come, come to fulfillment. That that Son, the Messiah, will, will come from heaven. It's by the tender mercy of God that the rising Son, S-U-N, will come to us from heaven. It's that image of light, isn't it? The image of, of light coming down to, to shine on those living in darkness, in the shadow of death, to guide people to a way of living in peace with God. For it'll be John and and the one John points to, Jesus, who will shed light on all that is dark. To point to how that darkness can be overcome 
so that all God's children and all God's creation can bask in the glorious light of the Son of God. You know, Zachariah's statements here sound a little bit like what the Gospel of John says. Now, that's not the same. Gospel of John is not the same John as John the Baptist. But he, in John chapter 1, it says this, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, that sun that came down from heaven, so that through him all may believe. He himself. John was not the light. He only came as witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Zechariah prophesying of this light coming, the light that should restore all things. And even though John came before Jesus to, to point to Jesus, and even though Jesus came as the Son of God to, to show, show people God's love, His care, by restoring them not only physically but spiritually, the sad piece of the story is that they ignored the signs. There were all these signposts that said the Messiah was coming and they seemed to, to miss all of them. They seemed to miss the light that was in their midst. It seemed that instead of being like Zechariah and, and going against what the culture said they needed to do by going against the traditions and naming his son Zechariah. Instead of, instead of him doing that, like the way Zechariah went against culture, the, the people of Israel just decided to follow it. They decided to follow what they had heard before. They decided not to follow the light of the world that came in and that they saw as a suffering Messiah. And every year we have the opportunity, actually every Sunday I'd say we have the opportunity, every day we have the opportunity to open our eyes and, and, and recognize where is it that God is working here and now? Where is it that God is desiring to bring His light into our life? Where is it that the Spirit is arising in you pointing out the dark corners of our lives where we're, we're hiding out, where we're perhaps keeping things to ourselves, And yet, He invites us. He invites us to pause and wonder. He invites us to pause and, and experience the, the light of God's grace. He invites us to pause every time we, we see a new candle lit as the light continues to, to pierce into the darkness. He invites us into that new relationship that does involve repentance. 
that does involve forgiveness. That does involve a Savior that John points to. A Savior that brings us peace. A Savior that brings us wholeness. A Savior that shows us God's will for our life. A Savior that allowed us too to experience the same thing that Elizabeth and John and Zechariah did. The Spirit entering your life and giving you meaning and purpose all through experiencing God's grace. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you how we saw your spirit enter into the life of a priest that was somehow able to see that that the Messiah that was coming was not just coming politically, but he was coming to, to restore more than a nation, that he was coming to restore all people in all creation through repentance and forgiveness. Lord, we thank you that that it's you who have provided that way. That it's you who have done all the work. And it's you who has invited us to receive your grace. All glory be to you. In Christ's name, amen.